You know something, maybe you don't know that you know it, but you know something, that faith and strength are inseparably linked. Inseparably linked. You will have faith in whatever you think is strong. We're going to show some pictures here up on the screen. And I want, to, want you to let me know if you're going to have faith in what is shown. Go ahead and show that, that first one. How many, how many would have faith in this? Some of you have literally had faith in this, that you've driven across this bridge. This is the Golden Gate Bridge. And faith and strength are inseparably linked. That when we have faith in something, we believe it's strong enough to hold us. And, and, and I think probably most of us, unless you have the bridge phobia, which I didn't look that up this week, unless we have a bridge phobia that, 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 that what? Gazootite. Uh, and <laughs> that we would go across this bridge. Second picture, same deal, same bridge, different situation. Same bridge, same strength of the bridge, but I think less of us would go across this because of the fog that is coming up off of the bay. Strength is more than just the physical strength, but the entire situation. You might come to this and go, I don't know if I have faith in that because the strength of the entire situation is now broken down because of the fog. How about this next one? It's a little bit, little bit blurry, but... How about a bridge this long over water? I don't know if this is the one in, in, outside of Mobile or which, which bridge this is, but there's several long, long, long bridges that go over bays and go over uh, 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 just inlets and, and, and stuff. Some of you, probably less of you, would be interested in going across this bridge because it's so long and so far off of water. You're not going to doubt the structural integrity of the bridge, but the entire situation, you're just like, no, thank you. How about this one? I know, yeah, we're, yeah we've, we're, we're less, right? We're less now, we're less. And, and, and you're like, I, I, I'm not so sure about this. Obviously, there are people on that bridge. However, you might not be interested in going across it. It's obviously strong enough to hold people, but again, you wouldn't have faith in the entire situation. How about this one? I've always wanted to do that. And now for this one, you can like see through the slats there. And then you're going off into nothingness. There could be a lion, you know, on the other side of that, that bridge there. And I, I think probably very few of us would actually go on this bridge. It would be the same people that would go on this bridge that would, that would go on uh, like the, 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 the Survivor Extreme shows, right? That you'd be like, yeah, sign me up for that. You'd probably go on that bridge. Faith and strength are, 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 are linked. They're inseparably linked. In fact, all of you showed faith this morning even though you didn't realize that you had faith. You had faith in the chair that you sat in. What'd you do? You just popped right down in that chair, right? You, you, you did not think twice that that chair was strong enough to hold you. And if you did think twice, you wouldn't want to admit that in front of people, right? Faith and strength are linked. When we are weak, when things aren't going well, we have to know that something is strong enough to get us through. 
See, last week we took a look at a formed creation, a God who forms us. And, and, and when we're talking about formed, and when we're talking about a potter, at a potter's wheel, we're talking about intimacy. We're talking about closeness. We're, 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 we're talking about, you know, just getting your hands in it, getting your hands dirty and forming you. When we're talking about a, a formed creation, a God that forms us, we're talking about a God who inhabits us, who wants to live in us and get involved in our life and be a part of our life and form us. However, when we're talking about our weakness, when we're talking about needing to be strong, a close God, I mean, that's nice and all, but we need to know that we have a strong God. And Israel was at the same point. We're going to be in, in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to bounce back and forth between Genesis and Isaiah as Isaiah really closely mirrors the themes of, of, of Genesis and especially Isaiah 40 through 48. And what's happening in Isaiah 40 is this. Isaiah is a fascinating book. It's an awesome book. It's written by a guy, a prophet by the name of Isaiah. He lived in the five or 700s B.C. Uh, 700s BC. How awesome is it that you have something sitting in your lap or something on your cell phones or your tablets that was written in 500 BC or 700 BC? And he wrote in 700 BC, and, and, and he, 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 the first 39 chapters he wrote to his time period and warning Israel that if you keep going, God is going to bring punishment on you. If you keep sinning, if you keep worshiping false idols, if you keep not having faith in, in God, He will bring judgment on you. But chapters 40 through 66, the last 27 chapters of, of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is actually writing to a time period 150 or 200 years into the future. That now God is utilizing Isaiah to say, look, you're not going to turn back. I am going to send Babylon to destroy you and bring you down. But starting in chapter 40, what, what God is telling his people through Isaiah is, is, is saying, when things are at its lowest, when you are conquered, when you think there's no hope, when you think that I have turned my back on you, when you think that I am dead, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to think. Here's what I want you to feel. Here's what I want you to do. And here's what I want to tell you about myself when you think I've turned my back on you, when you think that I am dead. Because in that time period, when, when one nation took over another, it wasn't just physical, it was spiritual as well. When one nation took over another, it meant that their God was more powerful and their God was stronger and their God killed the other person's God. And so here Israel is going, well, how did Babylon take us over? Is Yahweh not real? Is Yahweh dead? Is Yahweh turned, has he turned his back on us? And probably... If we were honest, and we're in church, so we're not going to be honest, right? If, we're, if we were honest, if we were honest, we all have these times when we're weak, when we don't even have the strength to believe that God is even there. And we wonder, has He turned His back on us? Is He real? Is He dead? 
And those of you that may struggle with the Bible and think, well, it was written in 700 B.C. and, and it doesn't apply to my life. I think God's writing to us today as well to tell us, hey, when things are at its worst, here is what I want you to believe in. When you don't have the strength to even believe, here is what I want you to believe in. Isaiah 40, verse 9, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. And maybe you're saying, wait, hold on a second. I don't even have the strength to believe. I don't even know if God is real. I don't know if God's alive. I don't know if I believe in all this stuff you're talking about. And you want me to shout from the mountaintops that God is coming? Because we've been in those moments, haven't we? When let alone believing that God is real is hard enough, but saying that he is coming? You really want me to say that God is coming? I don't know if I can get that out of my mouth. How, how, how could I possibly do that? Verse 10. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with the young. We can shout that God is coming in advance because, because God is coming. Because God carries us like a shepherd carries lambs. God is powerful. And we're not going to experience the reward of God until we see God himself. And what is the reward? That he carries us. That he feeds us. That in our weakest moment, in our, in, in, in our brokenness, in our times of abuse, in our times that we're abusing ourselves, in our times, in our deal, he says, I'm coming. And I have power to come. And I have the power to carry you like a shepherd carries a lamb. See, the only reason why a shepherd would carry a lamb is because he's broken a leg. Because the lamb was broken. And the lamb couldn't walk. That would be the only time why a shepherd would carry a lamb. And a shepherd would carry a lamb on his shoulders. Like we would like, carry a sack of potatoes or something. Get, him, get the lamb up on his, on his shoulders and carry him. And he would feed the lamb because the lamb couldn't go find food himself. And God's saying, this, this is how I'm going to care for you and your weakness. This is where, how I'm going to care for you when you think I've turned my back on you. This is how I'm going to care for you when, I, when you think I am dead. This is how I'm going to care for you when you th have been abused, when you have been broken, when you have abused yourself. This is how I'm going to care for you in your deal. This is how. And the reward I'm going to give is my very presence that I'm going to care for you. But for some of us, you're like, you're in such a situation. You're saying, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if God's strong enough. I don't know if God's strong enough. You know, if I said, if I said, if I said, we're going to do a dance 
dance deal here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dance with you and, and a part of this dance deal, part of this deal is that I'm going to lift you up over my head. I don't think any of you would take that, would you? I mean, some of you, the whole, just, just start, the dance deal, you know, you'd be like, nah. But then the whole, then you're going to lift me up? I don't have faith in your strength, pal. Now, that room over there, probably so, because why? Because I lift my boys up over my head. But for this room, you'd be like, no, nah, that's, that's okay. That's, that's quite all right. How do we know that God is strong enough to actually carry us? He gives us the answer to that question in Isaiah 40, 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who else? I mean, sure, we have, we have held a part of the ocean in our hand. Maybe you've been to the ocean, you've scooped up some in, in, in your hands and played in the ocean. But who has held the oceans in your hand? All of them at the same time. Anybody? Anybody? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Yeah, maybe, maybe we blot out the moon with our thumb, but who has taken your fingers and gone, that's how long the heavens are. That's how long the galaxies are. I know exactly how long the galaxies are. Who? Anybody? 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 Who else knows the weight of the earth or weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can Google the weight of the earth. I can Google that. I can find that out. I hate to burst your bubble, but you know that's an estimate, right? Now, I have faith in that estimate. I believe that very smart people have figured out very closely what the earth weighs. But God's like, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what the earth weighs because I have scales big enough in order to measure that. Or I've weighed the mountains. Anybody weighed a mountain lately? Anybody weighed a mountain lately? I doubt it. There is no equal to God. There's no equal to God in creation. No equal to God. Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Anybody, anybody really give advice to God lately? I mean, I know we try. Right? We try. God, you should do this. God, you should do that. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? But uh, we're in church, right? This is a sane moment for all of us, right? We're in church. So, so, so anybody given w- really wisdom to the Lord lately? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Has, has God ever come to you and go, hey, Billy, I don't really don't know what to do here. I mean, we try and tell him what to do. God, I really like that as my girlfriend right there. God, I really like that car. God, I really like this. God, I really like... We try and advise him what's best for our lives, but in the same moment, are we really advising him? Are we really advising him? Has he come to us for for his advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Does someone teach him about what is right or showing the path of justice? There's no equal to God in wisdom. No equal to him in wisdom. No equal. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They're worried about Babylon. They're worried about how strong Babylon is. And and, and God's like, all the nations, if you combine them all together, all those nations are just a drop in the bucket. See, I am so unconcerned about how powerful Babylon is that 
It's just a drop in the bucket to me. You really think this is how it went down, that Babylon killed me? No. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. That's nuts, right? That's crazy. There's no equal to God in strength. There's no equal to him in strength. He's like, you're so freaked out about Babylon? I pick up the world with my fingers like it's a grain of sand. See, when we need, when we need strength in our weakness, we don't, we, we like a close God, but we need a transcendent God, a God that's above everything, the God, a God that has no equal, an all-powerful God. There is no equal to God in strength. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all the Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. Here's, what's, here's what the word picture is. Lebanon in that day had the best trees. It'd be a lot like going out to the redwoods out west or, or something like that. They had all these cedars. They had forests upon forests upon forests of cedars and good cedar, good trees. He's like, if you cleared all of that out, if you cleared out all those trees and, and while you were clearing out the trees, you killed all the animals and gave all of those trees and all of those animals in sacrifices. Yes, bunnies in sacrifices. In sacrifices. That would still not be a good enough sacrifice to compare to my holiness. There's no equal to me in holiness. So for us today, like, we don't burn things in worship often. So today it would be God saying, look, you really think that this band and the words that you sing and the sermon, do you really think... All of that compares to my holiness? Do you really think that the word you sing really shows the holiness of me? Really? And maybe you're like, well, then why sing? See, actually, this should take the opposite effect, that we will never, ever, ever, ever touch the depths of his holiness in song we will never touch the depths of his holiness in a sermon we will never touch the depths so let's keep trying let's keep singing louder let's keep letting our heart pour out to god because there is no equal to him in holiness no sacrifice that we ever offer can ever compare to his holiness ever Ever. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. There, there is no equal to God in greatness. Like you're all worried about Babylon? You're all freaked out about their greatness? They're like froth. Like when an ocean tide comes in, when ocean waves come in, froth is that, that top stuff. That white stuff, the white cap. That strong nation is like froth to me, here and then gone, just like that. Syria, woo. Iraq, woo. All this stuff, all the world stuff that you're all freaked out about, like froth to me. Like 
froth. There's nothing that compares to me, nothing that is equal to me in my greatness. So why are you so freaked out about their greatness? To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or, people too, or, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman that can carve an image that won't fall down. In Isaiah, I love Isaiah because we see a sarcastic God in Isaiah. And we'll get way into this as, as we go through this series. But, but we, look at his sarcasm here. He's like, Nobody can compare to me in image. Nobody can be my equal in image. You build an idol out of silver and gold and think it's an image of God? And because you're too poor to go for that, you make one out of wood? You who I created, you who I gave image to, are giving image to something else and call it God? Nothing is my equal in image and certainly not silver and gold, which by the way I created. By the way I created. And, no, and nothing compares to my image. Not even wood, by the way I created. Nothing compares. Nothing is equal. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words that He gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to Him. Like you ever flown and and looked down and go, what are all those ants doing? Oh, those are people? That's what God's like. He's just grasshoppers to me. Grasshoppers. That's it. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes a tent for them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root, when he blows on them and they wither. You think we're all bad and powerful and American and great? Woo! If I want you gone, I'll just blow on you. That's strong. That's powerful. The wind carries them off like chaff. Chaff. There's no one that compares to God. No one that's equal to God in judgment. In judgment. His judgments are right. His judgments are real. His judgments are true. God's saying, hey, you know, you want Babylon to get theirs? They'll get theirs in due time. I will judge them. I will blow on them and there'll be no more. But until that time, just trust me. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? That's the Holy One. Look up to the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by his name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. There's no one equal to God in power. You think they're so powerful? You think you're so powerful? Well, every day since the creation of the world, I have brought out the stars every night and called them by name. And by the way, I've never forgotten one. Some of you have forgot to put on the right socks this morning. And I have never, ever forgotten a star since the beginning of creation. There's no one that is equal to me in power. God saying, you can trust me. I can carry you because I can hold the earth in my hand like a grain of salt, sand. You can trust me. I'm all powerful. 
There is no one that is equal to me. You might be like, well, it's great, but an all-powerful God seems kind of scary. And maybe, maybe your, your image of God, rather that be from a church or just from perception or what somebody has said, or, is that an all-powerful God is, is dangerous because, because he can poof and we're gone. Or the whole lightning bolt God, you know. We all, after all, in the Old Testament, so maybe, maybe he's talking about the lightning bolt God. And what, what does an all-powerful God, what, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to my life? What does that mean in my weakness? What does it mean when, when, when I've been abused? What does it mean when I'm broken? What does it mean when I'm at, at my worst? What does it mean when I'm at my lowest? What does it mean when I've got the deal? When I've got the thing going on and, and I don't know what is up and I don't know what's down and I don't know which way to go and I don't know. What does it mean? Does an all-powerful God mean that in that situation, in that time, that I'm just messed? 40, 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say that, that, that God doesn't know what you're going through? How, oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your right? That God has turned his back on you? That God doesn't care about your rights? That God doesn't care about what's going on to you? How can you say that? Now, let me say this, that God isn't afraid of our questions, but he might put us in our place because of our questions. And if we're going to come question God, we need to have our big boy pants on and get ready for the answer. Right? If we're going to question his strength and his all-powerfulness and his care like a shepherd, we're going to need to put our big boy pants on and be ready for the answer like God did to Job. When Job and his buddies, buddies, they weren't good buddies, but buddies nonetheless, questioned God for about 40 chapters, God literally says, sit down, I'm going to talk, and you're going to take it like a man. And Job said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. When we question God, we can question God, and he's okay with that, but we may not want the answer he's going to give us. He said, how... How can you say that I don't see your troubles? How can you say that you turn, I turn my back on you? How can you say that? Have you not heard? I mean, again, sarcastic question. I mean, have you not heard this? You've heard this. You've heard this. Have you not understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. God ties himself here back to the creation. You've heard this since you've been born that I'm the creator of the earth. You've heard this since the very beginning that I'm the creator of the earth, that I am all-powerful, that I am everlasting. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall, fall in exhaustion. We love to watch professional sports. Most of you will go home and do that this afternoon. But those guys get tired too. 
God's like, I never get tired. I'm the creator. Yeah, 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 on the seventh day I took a rest, but that wasn't for me. That wasn't because I needed a nap. I heard this yesterday. I wish I would have heard this a week ago because it would have fit with last week's sermon, but I'll put it in this week anyway. That, 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 have you ever thought that he created man on the sixth day and then he said, hey, hey guys, hey guys, man and woman, hey guys, let's, let's on the seventh day, the next day, let's now take a rest. Wasn't that, maybe Adam was like, hey, um, you just created me. And not only did you just create me, but then you put me to sleep to make her, which thank you, by the way, but make her... So I, I, I don't know that I need to rest. And the woman's like, yeah, I just woke up too. Why do I need to rest? Here's what God's saying. Here's what God's saying. I don't need to rest. But I want you to rest in my labor. And Isaiah is tapping into the same theme, that, that when we are at our weakest, we tap in, we rest in God's labor. Why? Because those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. And some of you know this verse. Some of you have heard this verse. Some of you have memorized this verse. And you've probably memorized it. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But we've got to define weight, Right? Wait doesn't mean sit on our butts and wait for God to strengthen us. See, what words, what words, soar, run, walk, what kind of words are those? They're active words, right? That's all right, that's all right. They're active words, right? You're going somewhere. But maybe some of you are like, hey, hey, can I add one? Can I add crawl to that? Because sometimes that's all I can do is get out of bed and crawl into my day. All right, that's fine. I think this is God's point. See, what wait means is active patience. Is active patience. You're like, hold on, that's an oxymoron. Active patience is an oxymoron. Active patience. See, orthodox theology, right theology, right thinking about God is holding two tensions, two seemingly opposite deals in tension. And so active patience is holding something in tension. How we know we have faith is that we are holding two opposites, seemingly opposites in tension. So the active part of this is saying, I am going to soar. I am going to run. I am going to rock. I am going to crawl. Whatever it takes, I am going to get to God. Why? Because He is the all-powerful God. Why? Because He is all-powerful in wisdom. He is all-powerful in creation. He is all-powerful in strength. He is all-powerful in everything. So I am going to do whatever it takes, even if it means I'm going to crawl. I am going to do whatever it takes to get to that all-powerful God. I am going to be active in my faith. But it's also patient. And sometimes God's only going to give you the strength to crawl. It's also patient in that sometimes God's just going to give you the strength to walk. It's also patient in that God's going to sometimes only give you the strength to run. But sometimes we will soar. But if we try to walk when he wants us to crawl, and if we try to run when he wants us to walk, and if we try to soar when he wants us to run, we're going to wear ourselves out. And see, that goes countercultural to, to, to our culture. Because we're always supposed to soar. 
Just look, like, look at NFL football or the minor leagues, SEC. If you don't soar, what happens? You get fired. And God's just saying, sometimes I am giving you the strength to crawl. And have faith in that. Nicole and I have, have gone through a time period where, where we felt like all we could do was crawl. That's all God gave us the strength to do. And me, in my personality, I just kept being like, like, speed crawl? No, crawl. Speed crawl? No, I want you to crawl. You mean speed crawl? No, I want you to cr Speed crawl? Because of our culture, because of what we hear and what is heard and, and etc., we, we, we often want to go faster than what God wants us to go. And He simply won't give us the strength for that and we'll wear ourselves out. Now this is in my mind and maybe in yours too. You're like, are you giving us license to be lazy? No, because if we are crawling when we're supposed to be soaring, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. We're going to miss it. And therein lies the tension that we're always rubbing against. That faith is required in the tension. If we've got it all figured out in our own strength, we don't need faith in the all-powerful God. Paul said the same thing in different words. Second Corinthians 12.9 Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is saying, sometimes I feel like crawling. And you know what? I get up and I crawl. But I trust that God is going to give me the strength to crawl. Sometimes I feel like soaring. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to soar. Because I believe that God's going to give me the strength to soar. And Paul, through his writings, in different ways and in different words, says the same thing over and over and over again. No matter what situation I'm in, God's going to give me the strength to go through that situation. Philippians 4.13, that's what that means. It doesn't mean I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean I can just decide to do whatever I want and go do it. What it means is God's going to get, take us through seasons and cycles and, 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 and hard times and good times and crawl times and sore times. Whatever He wants me to go through, He'll give me strength to go through it. He'll give me strength to go through it. Faith and strength are inseparable. Absolutely and positively inseparable. We're going to have faith in something. Why not put it in an all-powerful God who wants to share His all-powerfulness with us? And when we are weak, He is strong. When we crawl, He's going to give us the strength to crawl. And when we soar, He's the one that gives us the updraft to be able to soar. It says the band plays and you reflect 
on what God wants us, what, the, what God wants to do in our life. How is He giving you strength right now? How are you outpacing God right now and, and wearing yourself out? What's He telling you? What's He teaching you? Do you want to put your faith in this all-powerful God for the first time? I invite you to do that. Is God refining you? Is God, is God forming your strength through something specific? Pray with Him about that. But the songs that you're going to be doing here, the songs that you're going to be singing is about an all-powerful God. And a God that you can never out-sing. A God that you can never out-talk about. So sing all the louder. Sing all the more. And let your heart pour out to God. I'm going to slip out. But even though a man slips out, God doesn't. Part of what's different about the culture here is we believe that no matter who is up here, God is still here and active among us and all-powerful. If you need to grab somebody and pray with somebody, if you want to come up and grab Phil, he'd rather pray with you than play the piano. He will. All right? And as the band plays and as you sing, pray or praise as God is leading in you. Let's pray. Go ahead and follow the Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for all that you're doing. Strengthen us. Mold us. Let us see you work in our life. And give us the strength to stand no matter what's happening around us. It's your name that I pray. Amen.